do you think uh, brothers are uh, on the endangered academic list? That's the question the Professor Ian Glenn who is a research associate in communication sciences at the University of the Free State. He's also Emeritus Professor of Media Studies at the University of Cape Town. Joining us on the line, happy Monday, Professor. Good morning this morning. Thank you for waking up so early. Good morning. This is an early start to my week, let me tell you. Yeah, we'll send you a voucher for for coffee and a muffin, (laughs) Professor. Voucher for alcohol, did you say? Oh, thank you very much. Late, too late. Hey, you probably will have to redeem them at the end of the year, depending on the yeah, the next year. Yeah, I, I, that's how I see. Thank you for joining us, Prof. You wrote a fascinating piece and you asked the question A man on the academic endangered list. Yo, hey, as obviously you and I, well, you broke the curfew, eh? because you were at the office way before 4 a.m. Uh, as per the president's announcement. Uh, <laughs> hey, did you disrupt your morning, Prof? Sorry, did, did, did I get what? Did, uh, I didn't get that. Did, did we disrupt your, 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 your sleep, your morning, while you're trying to get Yeah, to no, no. I, I'm usually not I'm up early, but not, not usually 4, 4.30. But fine. No, but this is a, a very important thing. You know, I was a professor at, at UCT for a long time, and over the years, uh, and particularly since uh, President Mandela came out of prison, I don't know, young women have done better and better, and the men are just not competing properly. The girls are kicking their butts, if I can put it uh, rudely, early in the morning. Uh, the girls, and particularly, look, where did people always want to study? They wanted to get into medicine, they wanted to get into law. If you look at medical schools in South Africa, typically it's like 70% female. Law school at UCT, 70% female. So that's, that's very interesting and it's important. And I don't think people are talking about this. And it's going to have big consequences. And I've seen, because I mean, uh, two young ladies who are vying for the Miss South Africa uh, title are top medical doctors as well. Well, I tell you, it's, it's interesting, and you know, the, the thing is, why is this happening? What's happened? And I think that, to me, is the question we don't really understand. And uh, one of the things that I looked at was, what's happening to the young guys? Why are they not competing? You know, if you look at, go back forty or fifty years and you look at a photo of a, a school of, of medical students, it would be, you know, eighty, ninety percent uh, men. There'd be some women. My mother was a doctor, so I know there were women who were doctors, but. Um, Law law classes used to be largely female. Uh, used to be largely men. Now you go there and you look at a, a photo of graduates in medicine or graduates in law, and it's largely female. So what's happened? And I think that to me is a question the academics or the researchers haven't really thought about. What's going on? And, and the other really interesting thing is, what does this mean down the road? Uh, you know, what does this mean for? power in the country? Uh, are we looking at a, uh, a country where women are going to be in, in, in professional power, in political power? You, you know, you better expect your accountant, your doctor, your lawyer is going to be a lady one of these days. What are the possible scenarios that you've picked up, Doc, as, as, as you put together this information in terms of what lies ahead? Well, you know, one of the things we can talk about, you know, the sociologists talk about something called a marriage market. Okay, well, it sounds horrible, a marriage market. But, okay, look at pe- people graduating. Okay, you know, you graduate, maybe you're now earning a living and you look around you. Now, that's going to change. In the old days, 
you know, the Afrikaans people used to have a joke. Uh, they'd say, girl, you'd say, ask a young woman, why are you studying? They'd say, be a mansuk. I'm, I'm going to be a, but I'm going to university to look for a husband, uh, someone who's going to make money, you know, and he's going to look after the, he's going to be the breadwinner. No, you know, it's going to be BR Frosuk. You need to find a girl who's going to earn the money because the guys are not going to be as earning as well as the, as the women in, in many cases. So, but I think what happens also is, think, go back to our figures. If it, there are twice as many female doctors as male doctors and you're a young woman and you're a doctor, in the old days, you know, you would expect to marry someone who was as educated as you. Well, there are not going to be enough men to go around if you think about it. Same in law, same in probably in accounting or in business science. There are more women than men in business science. There are more women than men in science in, in South Africa. And I think, to me, that's going to have really interesting uh, consequences. And, you know, what does that mean in terms of family structures, in terms of uh, households and so on? So, you know, those are big questions, and I don't think we've thought about them. When did you start picking up this trend, Doc, and what sparked, what, what sparked the interest? Well, you know, if you look around you, you know, you'd sit, in, when I first started teaching at UCT, your third year class would be probably more men than women. And over time, you'd sit and you'd find even your MA classes would be 90, 80%, 90% female. And this is not just at UCT, it's across the country. And one of the things that uh, 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 Professor Ian Bunting is a great expert, and one day he said to me, he got me thinking about this, he said, you know, the most typical student in South Africa at the moment, this was... 10, 15 years ago, he said, is an African woman at a formerly Afrikaans university. So it's someone who was, you know, what used to be Rao or what used to be PE or used to be uh, Potschopstrom, and it's a young black woman. And I was quite surprised by that. Then I started looking at the figures, and I saw he's absolutely right. You have had this massive change, and uh, it's been a huge transformation. And of course, as you know, I think everyone would say, yes, of course, it's very good news that young women are doing so well educationally and they don't feel they can't be doctors or they can't be lawyers. I think that's very good. But what does it mean when men aren't competing or aren't the equal of their partners uh, in terms of you know, educational qualification? Sure. Uh, what are the reasons? Are brothers getting lazy or brothers getting bored? What's going on? Ah, that's a very, you know, I don't, I don't have an eye. The story I tell in the piece that I, I wrote that's on the News, News 24 platform is, you know, I, I got very interested in this, and I'd ask people, and I, I read a lot of the academic studies, and, you know, the, the paradox here is everywhere else in the world, you say, well, it's because men of color feel disadvantaged or they feel, um, you know, they feel they're out of power and things like that. You look at the United States. It's a very similar pattern. African-American men are far more at risk of being, uh, you know, having uh, been in jail, having been on drugs, dropping out. Young African-American women are doing better than men. Same thing to a certain degree in, in France, in, in England, and so on. But, but the paradox is in South Africa, this has happened as the ANC comes into power, as it becomes, you have a black president, you have a black, you know, person in power, Black men drop out a little bit. Now, so I started asking people what's going on. And one of the things that I think happened is, if you look back 25 years, what's happened in the last 25 years, one of the things is that men start going electronic. They, they find out about PlayStation. They spend a lot more time with gaming. They're spending a lot more time on the Internet. And, and that time is 
I think a lot of young men find it very addictive. They, they're sitting on the internet, they're doing fantasy football, they're watching porn, they're doing all sorts of things that, you know, I think young women aren't, not to the same extent. So there's just simply a question of time. If you're spending 20 hours a week on the internet and your sister is spending five or six, uh, she's got more time to do her homework. She's got more time to concentrate on studies. So, uh, and I, the reason I say this is one, uh, as I say in the piece, is one year I was teaching my MA students, and it was a class largely young women, and I said to them, okay, how many of you have brothers who didn't get to university? So three or four put up their hands. So I asked the first one, I thought, you know, I said, well, why did your brother not get to university? And she looked at me and she laughed and she said he played too much PlayStation. And the others laughed and agreed. So clearly there was a trend. And I think one thing, okay, now I'm speculating, but one of the things that, the other things that interested me is particularly for young black women, not only, but particularly there, a lot of them were being financed by their mothers. The mother is investing in a daughter. Now, if you go back 30 or 50 years, uh, the trend in middle-class families was, who are you going to spend your money on? Well, you're going to say, well, the boy's got to look after the, a family. He's going to be the breadwinner. Therefore, I'll invest money in him. I'm going to send him to university. The girl can maybe do a secretarial course or something like that. I don't think mothers think like that anymore. They see the girl can earn money. If she's working hard, well, you know, and the guy isn't, well, then I'll, I'll put the money in the girl. So... So I think that's one of the things that's happened. You're getting a, a different sense of, yes, it's, it's valid to spend money on my daughter. But also I think the guys are being, it's, the, the, you know, the gaming is very addictive. It's very powerful. Instead of sitting down and learning boring, boring facts about history or geography or studying your science or whatever, uh, you know, and I'm playing Fortnite or Call of Duty or something, well, that's probably far more fun. And it's difficult, I think, for parents or teachers to, to discipline that, you know, you know, and what surprised me was I thought it was oh, it's only wealthy white house households where kids have a PlayStation in their room or a computer in their room and they can disappear there and play late at night. And, and I don't think it's true. I think it's far too many households. And I think, I think there is a real danger. Guys are spending too much time uh, gaming on the Internet, and that's a distraction. It sounds like, uh, from a demographics point of view, the 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 playing fields are level here. It's it's all the demographics, in as far as the boys are concerned. Yeah, look, it, it used to be, and I would say, if I'd gone back five or six years, this would hit African students more than than others. But now, I think you're seeing almost the same trend for white students. The the, the group where it's really the most surprising uh, is is you know. It's, it's, using South African demographic classifications as colored. There's only like 70% more colored women in tertiary education than colored men. For African students, it's about 45% more. For white, white students, about 30, 33% more, if I remember correctly. Indian students, a similar figure. So, but, but it's across the board that it's all young men. It's not just black men or white men or Indian men or colored men. This is happening across the board, and it's going to affect the future. Now, the other interesting thing, since I wrote the piece, I spoke to one of, a cousin of mine who teaches, and she says, well, what she's seeing with young white men is the sort of attitude of, oh, well, there's no use working in any case because of affirmative action. So, you know, they use that as an excuse not to get stuck in and do their work because they, they say, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, there's, there's no point in working hard in the, you know, for the future. So what worries me is, you know, what is plan B? Because if you're not getting into your 
tertiary education. What are young men doing? And I think that's where the, the question is, are, are these guys all going to end up out of work or must they do something else? And in the piece, I say, well, there are some other plans. You know, and one of the things is across the world, there's a shortage of people with the kind of artisanal skills, technical skills, uh, trained plumbers, trained electricians. I think someone said Australia or Canada needs something like 180,000 skilled artisans. So in the old days, no one wanted to be an artisan because it doesn't sound glamorous and you get your hands dirty. But it seems to me those are real jobs and people should be thinking about them and young men should be thinking about them if they don't get into university. It's time to be rich in your overalls. Um, (laughs) Are there particular faculties where the drops are significant, Prof, or it's just a lack of interest in higher education? Look, I think... Look, men might think, well, I'm going to do uh, coding or I'm going to go into, uh, you know, uh, some kind of thing with artificial intelligence. And, you know, every, I'm sure all your listeners know about the fourth industrial revolution, how artificial intelligence and the Internet are going to change all sorts of disciplines. Um, in the old days, you know, we said, oh, well, of course, women do things like nursing and, and BAs, and, you know, that's where they are, and the men do the serious things like science and engineering. Now, at UCT, the only faculty that still had more uh, men than women was engineering. Science had more women than men. Business science had more women than men. Obviously, humanities, more medicine, law, all those had more women than men. And I think across the country, you've seen this massive spike of numbers of women who feel they can do anything, that they can go into any faculty. So I think it's certainly fallen off more in professional schools like law and medicine. Look, there's another phenomenon which I think is important for some people, which is the law of supply and demand tells us, okay, if a lot of people enter a profession, the rewards are going to be less for that. Okay, if if everyone decides I'm going to be a psychologist, uh, and particularly when a lot of women enter a field, I think some men look and say, oh, this field is getting a bit crowded. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be a psychologist anymore. And, and I, in countries like France, for example, certain disciplines or certain professions like psychoanalysis or psychology have become almost you know, 80, 90% female. So you can say, well, oh, the men are going into business or the men are going into uh, something else, computers or, or AI or, or something else, and they're leaving behind this field of, um, which is now overcrowded. And to some extent, you might say that's true of medicine. You know, do I want to be a doctor because I've got to do community service and I've got to do that? So you might say, well, the guys just decide I'm going to go into business. But, you know, the women are getting prepared for business. They're doing the, the accounting degrees. They're doing the business science degrees. What does it all, what does this all mean, uh, Prof? Obviously, academically, in the community, in relationships, in raising families. What do you see? What does it all mean? Can you break that down for us to the possibilities? Whoa, I, I'm not, not a prophet. I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm just noticing a trend. And what puzzles me is people haven't been talking about this or noticing this. But, you know, sometimes I talk to people about it. Well, obviously, you know, I, I raise the question. I say, what do you think? And I've had a few young women, you know, say to me, well, that's why I can't find a partner. Or, yes, we're struggling to find partners. I think that's one thing. You will find this of that if you have fewer men graduating, fewer men with qualifications, that's going to mean an imbalance. But the other thing that worries me, okay, now here I'm speculating, and you can say, well, this is an idea for us to argue about or think about. Why is there so much gender-based violence in South Africa? Okay, gender-based violence is 
a terrible thing you can say. There's always been gender-based violence. But now a lot of feminists will look at gender-based violence and say, okay, why are men being you know, brutal and, and angry with women? What, what is this, the cause of this violence? And they'll say, well, it's male power. But my view psychologically is maybe that's wrong. Maybe a man who's in power, who knows he's in power, who isn't in control, why must he be violent? What, you know, what's the point of being violent? I think a man whose power is being threatened, he, he feels now the woman is outdoing him. The woman is earning more than he is. The woman who is studying is getting ahead of him. I think that man might feel angry and feel physically I can control the woman. So that, that's something for you know readers or listeners to think about or to say, well, no, that's not right. Or, or maybe there is some truth in that, that, that male power, when it's threatened, or the patriarchy, as we say, theoretically, if patriarchal values are being threatened, is that not a time where maybe some of the gender-based violence comes out, that you are then feeling, oh, you know, this woman, who does this woman think she is? She's doing better than me. She's making more money. She's driving a nicer car than me. So maybe there's some kind of envy or anger about, I should be in control, but I'm not anymore. And, and I worry a little bit, are we all prepared for that world where women are doing better than men? And the other thing I think that you know people have noticed, and one of the things, the trends we've seen in the last 10, 15 years in South Africa is the, the, the big rise in the number of female-headed households. So one of the things I think you might see is a woman who's earning good money and who's looking around and saying, you know, do I need a man who thinks he's the head of the household but isn't actually earning as much money as I am? So that rise in the number of female-headed households might be one, you know, consequence of women being more educated than men, but what does it mean down the road in terms of role models and, and so on? So those, I'm speculating here, but you know, I think these are all real concerns. Uh, you know, Prof, for the longest time I live for the day where I'm going to find a rich, educated woman, and I had no qualms about sitting at home and looking after the home while she goes out there and brings home the bacon. So it looks like uh, this is a serious possibility. Well, yeah, it's. Um, I made a joke in the piece. I made a joke and said maybe you know the old days girls had to go to finishing schools to learn to be a good wife. I said maybe the boys will now have to go to finishing school and learn to be a good husband. Are you going to be able to change the nappies and cook nice food and and look after the girl? For, you know, because down the road, I think women who are busy professional women are going to say, hey, I don't want to do this double shift or this treble shift. Uh, I need a, a partner who is really going to pull his weight. Um, you know. I'll, I'll even join Dietrich at the gym as well, you know, you know, build a few muscles as well. So this comes in handy. Well, I don't tell you, but look, what do you, I mean, is this a shot in the dark of mine? Do you see this around you? What do you think? I mean, do you think your <laughs> listeners are uh, agreeing with me or do they think, no, the professor is smoking his socks? I don't know. This is, uh, professor is telling the truth, confronting us. The question is, are we brave enough to engage with this truth and do something about it? Well, I'm glad. Look, the numbers don't lie. The numbers you can look at, there's a website which I mentioned in my article, and it's clear there's, there's been a profound change, and it's got to have effects. So, you know, everyone else, you know, while everyone in the country is looking at racial issues and are there enough black students doing conservation or is this? I'm saying, hey, just look around you. You know, there was a very interesting, I went to a talk at Rhodes University a few years ago, and one of my colleagues, a friend and colleague, gave a talk talking about the terrible position of women in the country. <laughs> so at the end of the talk, I went up and said, hang on, you, you say the position of women in the country is terrible, but look around this room. There are three or four times as many 
women as men in this room studying. So how can you say that women are disadvantaged when they so much there's so many more of them in higher education? And what was interesting to me was after the talk, several young black guys came to me and said, Ah, oh, who are you? Why are you saying these things? This is what we feel every day that women are in control or dominating or, or you know, that, that that it's a female environment. So there is a lot of arguments about what they call the feminization of the academy. That the academy is a place the teachers are female, the values are female, guys feel a little bit, you know, not not at home in the place. Yeah. But there's it, it, going to be a big. It's it's going to have big consequences. Nine minutes to five o'clock. Professor Ian Glenn has written a fantastic piece on the News Twenty Four. Men are on the academic endangered list. I tend to agree with him. We'll talk more in a moment. Join SABC3 for The Mic, weekdays at 6 p.m. The Mic showcases various talented Mzansi musicians, giving an exclusive live performance like no other. The series provides a stage to unleash rare South African talent that is ready and ripe to take on big stages. Own the music, weekdays at 6 p.m., only on SABC3. Nine minutes to five on ISFM. South Africa, we are delighted to share the good news with you. The Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply, CIPS, uh, the largest global professional institute for procurement and supply chain professionals, has awarded Rand Water with a Certificate of Achievement in recognition of our corporate ethical procurement and supply standards, making Rand Water the only public entity in South Africa to be recognized in this way. Rand Water. Finding new ways at eight minutes to five with Professor Ian Glenn. Prof, I, I, I am thinking, Prof, um, you know, post the piece that you've written, I'm thinking we, we should have a uh, talk shop or a think tank or a round table at a town hall when everything normalizes or have a virtual discussion around this. I think there's a lot of possibilities for the older generation in relation to their sons and daughters. There's a lot of possibilities for young people. There's a lot of possibilities for us. And how we best engage with this without temperatures rising? I, uh, you know, I absolutely agree. I think, uh, you know, I would sit at UCT and then there'd be a committee and people would say, well, and then we're getting an, a new scholarship fund for women. And I would sometimes put up my hand and say, you know, you actually need a scholarship fund for men. And everyone would look at me as though I'm mad. But if you think about it, you know, when you've got, if you had only 30% women in a discipline and women wanted to be in the discipline, you'd start saying, uh, well, what do we do? And I, I tell a nice story. So I'm going to tell the story again. I, I, one evening I was at dinner and there was a, prof, uh, a dean of a medical school. And I said to him, I said, listen, you know, UCT, the medical school is 70% female. I said, what about your university? And he looked at me and said, yeah, he said, it's about 70% female, but that's because of affirmative action. So I looked at him and I said, oh, affirmative action for, for, for women. He said, no, 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 he said, affirmative action for men. He said, if we went just on matric results, it would be 80 to 90%, uh, it would be 80 to 90% uh, female. In other words, what they were already doing, they were trying to push more men into medicine, and for sometimes for good reasons. You know, sometimes people want to see a doctor who's the same sex as they are, same gender as they are. Or there might be specialties where men can, can do things better, or the paramedical stuff as well. But the other thing is, 
what they do find in certain disciplines is women may, may not be as ready to specialize because maybe at some point the woman wants a child, wants a family, and isn't as ready to do that sort of really hard uh, work in, in, you know, it's not really to do the hard work, but I mean, it's a very single-minded pursuit. Now, of course, a lot of women will be single-minded, but in general, people who are training people worry that those women will not go all the way to become a specialist and, and you know, spend their life without doing anything else. So it seems to me that's going to be one of the real problems. Are you going to find women who say, well, I don't have time for a child. I don't have time for a family. I'm going to be that single-minded person. So I think a, a, a virtual town hall could be a wonderful place where you talk out what is happening here, what's going on. Should we be restricting the amount of screen time that young men have? And how do you do that? Uh, because it's a very private thing. I, you know, a child or young man is in his room gaming. Uh, who controls that? How do you do that without uh, setting up a huge fight? Prof, and, where uh, do we get mm-hmm. hold of you? There's lots you can tell us. We can talk for hours because you've just opened up an interesting uh, debate. I don't want to say a can of words because it's going to sound bad. But you've, you open up something quite interesting, something that we can talk about for days. How do we get a hold of you? You've got a hold of me now. I, hear I, I mean, you know, for the general public, for them to engage with you a little bit more because uh, there's so many more questions we could ask. Look, I've got it. Uh, if you look at my email, the, the, it's, uh, you can easily Google me here and Glenn, but if, if you need an email, it's Glenn, I-E-G-L-E-N-N-I-E at ufs.ac.za.